0: For this episode, we would like to give a trigger warning for rape, sexual assault, and spiking. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the 16 Days of Activism podcast collaboration series between period poverty u of e and the noisy movement this is jocelyn i'm the president of the noisy movement and i'll be your host for this episode i'm so excited to have amy with me who is the president of the university of edinburgh feminist society to speak about all that the society does and all the amazing work that they're they're working on right now, and that they will be working on in the next term. So, welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for being with me today. Hi, it's <laughs> lovely to be here too. Amazing. Um, so, if we can just get started with a quick mm-hmm. introduction, um, explaining who you are, what you do at FEMSOC and what the society does.
1: Yeah. So, um, my name's Amy Life. My pronouns are she/her, and I'm the president of. The The Edinburgh Uni Feminist Society. Um, So, we essentially are a society at the uni that focuses on like issues that affect women and minority genders, um, um, but like broader things as well. And we kind of do a range of like small bits of activism where we can, as well as events, socials. Um, We also this year launched our new blog, so that was exciting. Um, So, yeah, we kind of do a range of things just to sort of raise awareness about feminist issues on and off campus so yeah that's kind of what we do.
0: (laughs) Yeah fantastic I know it's quite a large society and there's so many different things going on so many working Mm -hmm. parts so I kind of just wanted to delve right in um, Mm -hmm. and ask you about the recent um, stop spiking protest and your role in creating that and how exactly that went and what what your aims were for it.
1: Um, Yeah, so when I remember when the the kind of things started coming out about spiking and we were hearing a lot of reports of it happening in Edinburgh, especially with the injections and we kind of as a society, we had two ideas. We had the idea of doing a boycott, which then Girls Night in Edinburgh, they also did that. So we weren't gonna like step on their toes and <laughs> do that too. So then we thought, well, you know, um, as amazing as boycotts boycotts are, it's also good to have something where people feel like they're being proactive and like going out and really making their voices heard. So um me and Francis, last year's president, we um worked together to create this protest which involves sort of meetings with the council, the police, fire fire brigade all that kind of stuff so um yeah it took a little while to plan it and put everything in place but I think it came off really well and um I was super pleased with how it went and I think from the feedback we got it was it was definitely the case that people liked having um a platform a way of expressing their anger at what was happening because I think it's something that so many people had experienced or knew someone that had experienced. So um, being able to give people the opportunity to sort of feel like they were able to have an impact on um, what the city and clubs and venues in the city were doing was really nice. Um, so yeah, I'm very glad that went, that went ahead and um, it was nice to be able to like, give a speech at the end and um, just kind of bring everyone together to combat that issue.
0: Yeah, because I wanted to ask you about that. So I attended the protests <laughs> and I found it very empowering. And it was really amazing because there were so many different groups there. Mm-hmm. And being the Feminist Society, I mean, that's quite a large title. It's quite a broad scope of things that you yes. can cover. So I was just wondering if you could speak more towards how you felt your role was in that or in this larger context of the dialogue around spiking, where exactly a feminist society fits into that.
1: Um, yeah, such a good question. I think, like you say, we we cover such a broad range because we are just, you know, we just call ourselves the Feminist Society. So there are so many different things. and feminism is a huge, huge thing. So um, I think in terms of our role, I kind of see it more as listening to what other groups are saying and what their perspective is because we can take in such a broad range of perspectives um, and then kind of put those into, like, what we do. And I think... Um, making sure that we're trying to listen to everyone, keep an ear to the ground um, and then from there we can be like a direct link between places where we can create change so um, throughout that whole time we were emailing venues and clubs with our ideas of what to do better because we made a post on our Instagram of Mm. what we thought venues should do that was quite widely shared. And then from there, we were able to email um, clubs using feedback that we'd done on, like, Instagram stories from people. So Mm. I think because we're not too – I mean, you know, it's a positive and a negative, like, being too broad. Sometimes means it's difficult to, like, zoom in on one thing. But sometimes it does give the opportunity to be able to um, kind of go where we want so we can sort of – go to the issues that are most relevant at that time and that need fixing kind of like off the back of something that's happened. So that was quite useful with the whole spiking thing still continuing now is that, um, we didn't need to sort of formulate anything new. We could use the people and the skills that we already had to kind of do our best to work against that. And um, by no means am I saying that we made a massive difference, but I think like we were able to do some things quite quickly because um, yeah, we're, we're a large society with a lot of feedback, not feedback, a lot of people, people know about us. So yeah, yeah it made it quite easier, I think, to be able mm-hmm. to do stuff about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I'm so interested in learning about how you compiled what clubs should do to increase safety and mm-hmm. like what exactly went onto that list, what didn't. Just because from an outside perspective, being part of an organization that is working towards like consent-based education and all of these issues, it's so interesting to hear about how people get to those kind of suggestions, those policies, what, mm-hmm. what exactly we are asking for. So I wanted to ask more about that process.
1: Um yeah, so I made a thing on our Instagram story of like you know you can do the little question things mm-hmm. and I asked our followers um what they would want to see in nightclubs. Like I mean I had my own ideas beginning already, but it would be kind of wrong in my opinion for me to just sort of dictate <laughs> without you know bringing it to our, our followers so yeah we we asked them and um kind of the most popular responses ended up being compiled into our list of things. I did put a couple of my own that didn't come up in because I spent quite a long time, like, thinking about it. Mm. Um, So one of the ones that I suggested that didn't come up on Instagram was to have, um, like, places for people to report incidents of spiking directly to the, like, the venue on the venue website.
0: Uh, Um,
1: And I know that since some clubs have put that into place... And that was one that I thought was really important so that clubs knew what was happening in their own venues because a lot of them had been denying that they had an issue with it. Mm. Um, But things that we got from our followers that were super, super important, it was a lot to do with um, bouncers and how they were treating people who may have been spiked or were just too drunk which you know they people who are drunk still need care and the right support um Mm -hmm. not just if they've been spiked it doesn't matter whose fault it is we should be looking after anyone who's vulnerable so that was a really important thing that came from our followers as well as obviously things like searching um the searching one was a massive contentious issue I think at the beginning of the um the process of like talking about how to respond to spiking because it was one of the ones that came up straight away, you know, there was um a petition going round about searching and we as society, you know, spoke to clubs saying, well, you know, it's all very well to stop and search people, but this has quite a lot of like issues surrounding the idea of searching people um Mm. with regards to, you know, racism. If it's not searching everyone, it can be so easy to make it racially targeted. Um, and if you are searching everyone, then you come across the issue of, you know, not all genders like being searched because that can create a lot of, um, or like exacerbate a lot of issues surrounding like gender dysphoria, things Mm. like that is, you know, we did have a lot of people come to us and say, look, I'm really worried about the idea of having to be patted down as I enter a nightclub because of the way I feel about my body and I don't Mm. feel comfortable with it. And I think especially when you're dealing with a case of violence against women that so often includes, you know, unwanted touching, having that kind of searching maybe isn't always the best answer, but it's been so difficult because, you know, people want to see some action and that's something that people feel is really tangible. So you kind of have this tug of war going on between, you know, people that may not you know um have considered all these sides of it but think that like that's something they want to see and then people for who that's like you know something that they don't want to experience so i think in terms of going back to your original question about coming up with all these ideas it was very Mm -hmm. much a case of trying to listen to everyone and trying to think well you know this is an issue that's primarily affecting um women but the responses to it need to make sure that they're not bringing any more harm to anyone else because what you don't want to do in resolving an issue is create more issues for another marginalised community. That's never ideal. So um, yeah, that was very much at the forefront of our minds when we were trying to come up with this list of things. So having things that kind of wouldn't bring any negative impact to anyone, but would just create a feeling of safety so having you know more safe spaces for everyone at nightclubs to go if they feel at risk or um having like safety marshals on club floors that are not bouncers <laughs> that aren't like you know big people that are going to you know threaten you Chuck you out, that kind of stuff. But are there specifically for you to go to if you feel unsafe? um Because I don't particularly think that people want to go to bouncers or to bar staff that can feel a bit, you know, scary. You might not feel like you'll get the best treatment yeah. from them. So having people that are there and like, you know, maybe have like a lanyard or a special T-shirt or something to show that they're there for that reason. um These are all things that we we considered as being a lot more important.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, definitely. I think it's really interesting to learn about how these kind of things come about. Because, I mean, as I said, as such a big society, you guys are I'd say, quite an exemplar in a lot of ways in terms of what I you can't. do. And then like, <laughs> if you're putting out these suggestions, then like for so many people, that can be a great way to then have their voice heard. And you were talking about people who come to you and offer differing opinions. And I know that that can be quite a tough thing. So I wanted to ask a bit more about how you as a group deal with those things. I mean, it's not always going to be backlash. Sometimes it's just two opinions that are incredibly valid and Mm -hmm. it's so hard to reconcile the two. And so I don't know if you have like perhaps an example of that happening um, and having to work through it or maybe advice for other people who may encounter that.
1: Um, yeah, I know we I definitely have examples. So going back to like, the searching thing as well, that's been a big one mm. and we actually spoke to um one of the staff at Why Not about safety at Why Not and the club and um I said about this issue with Pat Down searching and she responded and she said, you know, I like I get that fit and um it's super valid but at the same time this is something that we've now implemented and people have like said really positive things about it so they've had really positive feedback from something that could also be causing a lot of harm to someone else and she said you know like I can't stop that now because people would be angry if we took it away and you know it's one of those things that uh, I didn't really know how to respond at the time Mm. I still don't know what the answer is because you know The forefront of my mind is always, well, make sure, you know, no marginalized group gets left behind. But you can't always get other people to have that same view. And, you know, I can do my best in the society, we can do our best. And I don't think we always manage it very well. I think it's something that we need to be working on better ourselves. But um, yeah, it's one of those ones that often happens. And it's kind of, it makes you feel a bit stuck. It can be quite disheartening. Mm. And I think the thing to always remember if you're involved in activism and that kind of thing comes up is that you know you're not it's not on you to like make everything better for everyone it's your job to do your absolute best and there are going to be people that are going to put barriers in the way and those barriers to those people might seem valid and to you they might be really annoying and I think the thing to do is remember that um there are people around you and to like create a sense of community so that you can kind of work collaboratively if you kind of take it on you to just make everything better as yourself mm. and take on all these issues and try and always come up with the right solution because there isn't always a solution that's going to suit everyone and I think if you try and see it more as like a working collaboratively thing where you listen to people and try and work together to find a solution rather than just like Uh, I don't know it is really difficult and it's something that I've definitely struggled with but yeah yeah I think just trying to listen as much as you can I think activism is so much more about listening to people than Mm. shouting even though we do like to shout but yeah the listening is the more important part for sure
0: yeah no I completely agree and that actually kind of Uh, Ties in very well with what I wanted to ask you about next. Um, So in terms of listening to people and making sure that their experiences are heard, um, I also wanted to speak to you about your collaboration with Eddie Anonymous to survey sexual assault instances in Freshers over Freshers Week. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to hear more about that. I think it would be really interesting to learn about why this was created, why you think Freshers Week was a specific time that should be talked about um and then we can go into what you found um Mm -hmm. any sort of results from there what what the project is going to do going forward
1: yeah um yeah no so I'm second year now last year I was in halls and I remember hearing lots of stories I spoke to people from halls around the society where I could given that it was coronavirus and lockdown, but when I spoke to people, I heard so many stories of sexual assault ranging from things that people perceive as being, like, small cases of sexual assault to things, you know, including, like, rape, that kind of sexual assault. So there was such a broad range, and it seemed so widespread that... um when I was coming into role as president this year it was something that I knew that I wanted to be my main focus for this year and we've been a bit sidetracked by spiking but by no means in a bad way it's important too but um yeah so with regarding the collaboration with Eddie Anonymous essentially what we wanted to do was kind of gain a picture of um in around freshers especially in first year what um People are facing with regards to sexual assault and what that looks like how widespread it is um and yes yeah, so we've we made this survey that people could fill out and I mean if you're listening and you've not filled it out and you have something please do <laughs> because we without I mean it's been such a weird thing because we've been sort of saying oh, we, we need to get to around 100 responses to take it to the uni to make it you know have a big impact but then you're also sat there thinking well that's you know a hundred incidences of things that you really don't want to be happening so it's been a really odd thing to sort of be saying oh we need to we need to reach this many but um yeah so I think we're now up to around 90 responses and what we found so far is that um university halls and clubs seem to be the biggest place the, the places where this happens most often um sexual assault and yeah, I think I mean some of the stories have been incredibly difficult to read. I know anyone that follows Eddie Anonymous as well probably knows mm. that, you know, reading a lot of these stories can be can be super difficult, but it's so important to know what's happening and that it even if it hasn't happened to you, it's something that is really common. Um, and from what I've heard about support from the uni, the situation is pretty dire. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um yeah, I personally feel very unimpressed with how the Uni responds to sexual assault. So in an ideal world what we're aiming to do with this survey and this campaign is to kind of focus on two things, so on prevention as well as um helping people who have been victims of sexual assault after the event. Um so what we're aiming for is to kind of over Christmas, me and ed anonymous will be compiling our findings like into an open letter Mm. um that we will then you know send around for students societies anyone to sign and then my (laughs) my idea my vision is to kind of have that printed out and give it directly to the uni um to someone high up in the uni saying look like this is our findings this is you know all the people have signed it and this is what we think you should be doing so again like coming back to the ideas of responses that's something that we'll be looking at over Christmas so hopefully in January we can kind of try and work with the uni um, Mm -hmm. to improve their responses because I mean they don't even really have like you know consent classes for people to go to certainly not ones that are mandatory in first year and um, they don't do a lot with prevention and they don't do a lot once it's happened. So on both counts, they're kind of failing a lot. And, yeah, it's something that I think, you know, we should be really thinking about because especially for first years, like if you just turned up to a new environment and, you know, in the first few weeks, you, that's something you experience and you don't know where to go to get help and help you are getting is really minimal and not that great mm. I think we can't underestimate the impact that that can have on people and yeah it's something that again coming into this year I was like super passionate to try and change and I think I'm, I'm hoping by the end of the year we see some improvement but I don't know the uni is kind of not great at it so I think what we'll need to do is kind of make it a big thing mm-hmm. um trying to sort of get it out into the press and stuff and really pressure them to do to do better so yeah that's kind of the aim of what we're doing yeah
0: yeah very interesting I um wanted to ask if anything's been found so far in the survey or in terms of your own research as a society on why Freshers Week in particular because you've spoken to why it would be very prominent in halls and then of course with clubs and the spiking incidents but I think that Freshers' Week is such a unique situation and a unique combination of factors um, and it, it's just so sad that what's resulting from it is so many accounts of sexual assault.
1: Mm. Um, I mean I probably can't speak to any specific mm. findings regarding this I mean because it wasn't a question on the survey if like people thought why it might have happened then but I mean from my knowledge and understanding of these kind of issues I would probably say that a mixture of like going out a lot more in one particular week is a Mm. very intense intense environment of a lot of like going out new experiences as well people don't know each other as well um and I don't, I mean, you know, we know with sexual assault that it's often between people that do know each other, but I think when you get put into an environment with lots of new people, it's kind of easy, I, I would imagine if you're a predator, to, like, have lots of people that are suddenly there in front of you mm. that, you know, maybe weren't at school, you know, you're at home with your parents, just are suddenly thrust into a new environment where that behaviour, there's no one watching. Uh, I, I think yeah. that's a big thing is there's no one watching and it's the first opportunity some people may have had to kind of, that way because Mm. there's no teachers staff parents paying close attention so um I mean that you know they're probably factors um yeah I mean
0: yeah no I think it is quite tough because it's it is such a unique environment but at the same time it's not like anything should cause Mm, these kind of incidents so um yeah I think one of the other main things I wanted to ask you about so these are two really amazing campaigns you've got going. And I wanted to speak a bit more holistically about being a feminist society. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that name and with that label, I know that like, depending on the circumstance, that can carry a lot of stigma with it. And the name and the label on yourselves must be very interesting to navigate in the university setting. Um, so I was wondering if... You've received any sort of backlash through the university, either from other groups or from people, or from people at the university themselves, um, and how you navigate that being a society based on feminism. Um.
1: Yeah. I mean, largely, I would say that. Um. Speaking really candidly, like the biggest issue we face with the name feminist society is the fact that we can be perceived as being very mainstream Uh, girl boss white feminism and my response is that it's probably a fair perception I like that's not where I feel that my activism is but when you take on a mainstream feminism society that works as widely as we do are following and members and people that come to events tend to be people that this may be their first experience of feminism
0: oh, okay.
1: um, which tends to create an environment where you know it, it the issues that get discussed the issues that get raised often do fall more into the category of um, like white girl boss feminism and I'm super conscious of that fact and it's a tricky one because Again, it's one of my other aims this year is to really improve that situation. But mm. I'm also super aware that people deserve to have entry level places into activism. You know, there's no, there should be no gatekeeping. It shouldn't be a case of, you know, you can't, you can't come to our events because you don't have enough knowledge about like intersectional feminism mm. or all these other things. And I'm super aware that um, we need to do two things, and one thing is to make sure that we provide. A place for people that may not have experienced feminism to come and be listened to and to learn about it in an environment where um, you know it's not they're not being thrown in at the deep end with really complex issues but at the same time um, I also want to show that we do care about this complex issues because personally that's more where my feminism sits having yeah. been into it for a bit longer Um, So, yeah, I think there's kind of two things, again, like providing that entry level, but also um, making sure that we raise issues that are intersectional, you know, reminding people that feminism sits with um, anti-racism work, sits with work for the environment, sits with, you know, Mm. all those different things, questioning, you know, our ideas about gender. It's all important to feminism. And I think that's probably the hardest thing with the name of the society is that it does carry that kind of stigma around it and I think it's important to recognize it to try and do our best to combat it but to also remember that you know it's not we're an entry level I would say yeah I would say that we're more here for people that maybe haven't done loads of feminism before that want to like get involved and we kind of provide that platform and then I would hope that people would learn from us and then be able to go on to you know combat those big issues as well and I think yeah it's it's important that no one feels that they can't get involved in feminism because they don't know enough yeah and but then it's also important that we are making sure that people then do get to learn about Mm. um issues in a more intersectional way where we're kind of crossing over things that they may not have considered before so I mean, in terms of like backlash about feminism itself, I mean, I've not experienced loads. Mm. Um, I think people kind of accept on university campuses that there's going to be a feminist (laughs) society and they're going to be around. So, yeah, I've not um, experienced loads of stuff from that. I mean, when people hear that I'm president of the feminist society, they're usually really supportive and lovely about it. So, I mean, um, which is nice. (laughs) But yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I think it's more an issue of trying to. You know, show that we care about issues in a across the board, and that we we want to do the work to um you know make sure that everyone feels included, you know, no matter whether they're what you know what race they are, what gender, like yeah. everything. Everyone deserves to be able to do feminism, a feminist activism, and no one should feel excluded from that. So, I think that's the biggest issue with the name of the society and kind of the stigma we carry around with it
0: yeah yeah no I think it it sounds like education is just such a large pillar towards that no matter where you are in your
1: mm-hmm.
0: education or what you what you <laughs> yeah. know going into it um and thank you for speaking so candidly about it because I was just so curious because um, yours is one of the the groups that is so broad but also like pervasive in the sense that like so many people know about you and Mm -hmm. it's a name that is Mm -hmm. recognizable and I wanted to talk a bit more about that so thank you um one of the last things as we wrap up here so I've been asking most of the groups this question just because this podcast was created for the 16 days of activism Mm -hmm. so I wanted to get your take on how you feel that your group fits into the dialogue of activism combating gender-based violence
1: Hmm. um yeah I I mean again speaking candidly I've been so busy with deadlines that 16 days of activism has completely like washed over my head I mean we did I did sit for a couple of hours the other day like tapping out of the post that we made mm. about it because I suddenly had this realization of like oh my god I, we need to do something about this um I think yeah combating gender-based violence is always something that we want to be doing and we want that to be part of our events that we do um and last year I know that we did a few really good events about domestic violence gender-based violence and um it's a topic that I'm um, like immensely passionate about there's a book that I think is Mildly problematic, but it's a really good read mm. called um, Sex and World Peace. I mean, it does have some issues, but it's still a really, really good book when it comes to gender-based violence, because it kind of broadens the picture. It says that um, gender-based violence is um, a massive indicator of how likely a country is to go to war.
0: Uh. And
1: like, I, I mean, I think what I would want to do in the society personally is kind of say, look, there's the issue of gender-based violence and the reason we're not seeing loads of change is because we're not looking at how important the issue is beyond how it impacts women and obviously like mm. the major thing is how it's impacting individuals that should be the foremost thing but I think the reason that the wider society doesn't pay enough attention is because they don't realize that it impacts them too um so I think like going forward if we have events about it that's something that I still want to really try and like drum into people is that it goes beyond the violence itself to like wider spread implications within society as a whole um so yeah I think you know being again like a broad feminist society is always something that we should be covering always something we should be talking about um but I mean this year with the 16 Days of Activism like with your podcast and I've seen so many groups doing so many amazing things that I've I've almost just enjoyed like watching what everyone else is mm. doing because it's incredible to see and um, I feel so much that feminist activism is about like giving every group a space to sort of take up and use and I think we're so much stronger when we kind of worked collaboratively and work together and do things like this, where we get to speak to each other rather than lots of groups sort of doing their own thing and not really, like, working together. I think it's so important that we kind of listen to each other and create a space where we're still individual groups that maybe have, like, different focuses, but we're all kind of merging together with the common goal of, like, combating gender equality. And I think we kind of fit in by, like, trying to you know help facilitate that and share people's ideas and stories and kind of raise awareness to what other people are doing as well yeah
0: definitely um wonderful thank you so much (laughs) for being here um this has been so fascinating thank you for allowing me to speak about or ask you about (laughs) all of these (laughs) different campaigns it's really amazing work um and especially what you were saying at the end there about your society being one for anyone who wants to join. I think that's a really important thing for people to hear Mm. and to know that you're there as a resource (laughs) and as a tool and as a way to build build Mm. people up. Um, Yeah, so is there anything you'd like to signpost, anything we can put out there for people to look out for in the future?
1: Um, Yeah, I think I have big ideas for International Women's Day and, like, mm. the months surrounding that. So, March, I think I'm hoping will really shine as a society in that month, so I would definitely recommend people look out for that. We're sort of taking a, a little bit of a hiatus over Christmas because I think our committee needs a big break after mm, mm-hmm. a busy term. Um, and then I think as well, like, you know, it's been... horrible year when it comes to like sexism and sexual assault stories we've heard and I think it's so easy at this point in the year to be burnt out so I think um like how our society's trying to take a bit of a break over Christmas I think it's really important that as people who care about these issues as activists we're all doing that and we're all recognizing that you know we're stronger when we all do a little bit rather than a few of us doing a lot and it's important to take breaks and come back stronger than ever to like you know sort these issues out and yeah I would just maybe say like look out for what we're doing in March but also take a break over Christmas
0: yeah certainly all right well thank you so much for being with me today no, Thank um, you. yeah and thank you to all the listeners for for tuning in um hopefully you're all able to take some time to rest As well. (laughs) Thank you.